Welcome to the AFP Report. This is your host, John Friend. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. This is the 12th edition of the AFP Report, a podcast series where I will be interviewing reporters and contributors to American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, as well as other special guests. Please consider subscribing to American Free Press if you are not already. Subscription details can be found at AmericanFreePress.net. And today I am joined by Dr. E. Michael Jones, the editor of Culture Wars magazine and one of the leading Catholic scholars in America. All right, Dr. E. Michael Jones, welcome to the program, sir. How are you today? Great. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, I know you are the editor of Culture Wars magazine, which can be found at culturewars.com, and you have authored a number of very... Culturewars.com. Yes, culturewars.com. And I will have that linked when I post this podcast program for people to check out. Um, And I know you have also authored a number of very important books on a variety of historical and religious and cultural topics, and I encourage everyone to check out your work. Is culturewars.com the best place to find all of your books and publications? Yes, either there or fidelitypress.org. Both of them will give you access to the same material. Okay, very good. Yeah, I I can link uh, both of those websites when I post this podcast program. So anyways, yeah, I've been a, I've been a fan of your work for a number of years, been following you pretty closely. Um, and I want to talk specifically today about the abortion controversy, which is sort of uh, reignited since the, the leak of this draft opinion authored by Justice Samuel Alito in early May. I think it was May 2nd when this draft opinion was leaked and published by Politico. And it was described by, you know, talking heads in the mainstream media as an unprecedented leak from the nation's highest court. I follow the SCOTUS blog on Twitter, which basically strictly covers the Supreme Court, you know, news and developments coming from the Supreme Court. It's a pretty good, uh, pretty good source of information. And um, the SCOTUS blog was describing it as the gravest, most unforgivable sin and said it would cause severe distrust among justices and staff. So first, can you comment on the potential motivation of this leak? It has certainly riled up the abortionist base of the Democratic Party. Is this a political ploy to maybe galvanize the Democrats ahead of this upcoming midterm election, or is it maybe an attempt to intimidate these justices? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, it's not unprecedented. Something similar happened during uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And at that time, it worked. Uh, basically, the, a number of justices changed their opinion. They were intimidated, changed their opinion, and they came up with an absolutely cockamamie decision. Uh, every bit as cockamamie as Roe versus Wade, where Justice Kennedy said that uh, wrote, talked about the, the f- passage called the mystery clause, the mystery of the universe. Every man gets to determine his own being. Uh, wow, that's really powerful. It doesn't make any sense, but it sounds really powerful. So something similar happened here. Uh, there's an article out there uh, by someone who said uh, identify the leaker as Elizabeth uh, Deutsch. She's a, um, a clerk for Justice Breyer. Uh, she's married to a guy who was best friends with the guy who wrote the article in Politico. She's also authored a number of 
uh, pro-abortion decisions as clerks for other judges. So it sounds like a sounds like a pretty clear uh, case here. Uh, the question is, is this person going to be prosecuted? And I will uh, wager, I'm not a betting man, but I would say no, it's not going to be prosecuted uh, because the fundamental fact of life uh, after Roe is that uh, we no longer all stand equal before the law. Roe codified a world in which there are some people who have privilege, including the privilege to murder other people. Uh, that's the woman side of Roe. And then the other class of people is the fetus side. And this group of people have no rights whatsoever, not even the right to life. That is the situation in America right now. OK, mm -hmm. there are people who have privilege. It's obvious. I've talked many times about Jewish privilege, uh, which is the main privilege uh, in this country. Uh, uh, but uh, this can be delegated uh, to other privilege groups. You can have homosexual privilege, uh, in which case you're not allowed to be criticized by other people. Uh, or you can have uh, racial privilege or black privilege. Uh, for example, Black Lives Matter can burn down an entire city and the media will say it's a peaceful demonstration. There is no such thing as white privilege, uh, which is the term they use frequently. And proof of that was what happened at Charlottesville or uh, what happened on January 6th of uh, a year ago, which or was it two years ago now? No, a year ago, uh, which is basically there are people who feel that because they are citizens of the United States, they have uh, the the Bill of Rights applies to them, which means you have the right to free speech and you have the right to assemble. These rights do not exist anymore. They don't exist. You can't depend on having these rights. Uh, Biden is uh, looks as if he's trying to expand that to include the Second Amendment. But the First Amendment is basically a dead letter at this point. And uh, so the, because of Roe versus Wade, because of the division I just described to you. So the question now is... Right. The question now is, will this overturning of Roe versus Wade be a step back toward the rule of law? Because that's precisely what just Thomas, Justice Thomas said. This, this leaking here, this fact that certain people don't get prosecuted for obviously committing crimes uh, is, uh, has to stop if we believe in the rule of law. And the, a for good place to start would be to prosecute the person who leaked this document. Uh, we we have other examples here. Julian Assange, what happened to him? Well, he's he's he he can't even get a trial. He he's basically he was a leaker, but he's a bad leaker. He's a fetus leaker, and uh, the the whoever did this uh, is a privileged leaker. That's the situation. The question is, will it go back to the the states? I think it's going to have to go back to the states, and will the states now? resurrect the constitution and give make everyone stand equally before the law right yeah no all all very interesting points that you raise well going back to the leak um the I, I, as I mentioned, I believe it I believe it was originally published on May second the very next day, so very very quickly, the Supreme Court actually confirmed the authenticity of the draft opinion and said it was real this is a, a real genuine leak um Justice Roberts, Chief Justice John Roberts, ordered an investigation into the leak. I haven't heard anything more since then. I don't know if they've actually, you know, positively identified who did leak this opinion. Obviously, it's a, a major breach of trust. I'm not sure what sort of criminal, um, 
criminal uh, charges I'm, could I'm not, be filed. I'm not either. I'm not a yeah. lawyer, but this uh, this is not uh, putting a man on the moon here. There are 16, basically 16 suspects in this case. And it seems to me it's within the power of the uh, police uh, to go through these 16 suspects and basically find out uh, who did it and indict them or her in this right. case. Yeah, when we'll, we'll see if that will happen. I, I, as, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it's very doubtful because we have a totally two-tiered justice system where – um, you know, people like this are going to be able to go free and, and, and engage in criminality while, as you mentioned, Julian Assange and other dissident, quote unquote, leakers get punished to the full extent of the law. So I tend to agree with you. Um, a- another question I have, did, did you actually I'm sure you actually read the draft opinion or at least some of it. It was a, a pretty lengthy document. We actually published an article in American Free Press in the most recent published issue. Um, kind of like highlighting and, and excerpting from the from the draft leaked opinion. And um, I mean, to me, it, it makes a very um, sound legal case for actually rejecting and overturning Roe versus Wade. So I'm curious, can you can you comment on the actual leaked draft opinion? No, I, I haven't read the entire draft. All I've read is articles on it, which uh, uh, have excerpts from it, quotes from the thing. So I can't really comment on the whole the whole reasoning. But I can comment on the fact that basically no one, no one is has ever defended Roe versus Wade from a legal point of view. I mean, Harry Blackman made it up. He made it up out of thin air. Uh, it was basically the an emanation from a penumbra uh, from Griswold versus Connecticut. Of course, the emanation from a penumbra is a famous line in Griswold versus Connecticut, which was the contraception decision of 1965, which said that, well, actually, the Constitution doesn't really talk about contraceptives, but there's an emanation from a penumbra. Well, that's a pretty tenuous case. And now you're going even farther out on a limb and you're saying there are people who are going to die because of the emanation from a penumbra. And that never worked. It never were. The proof is, after 50 years, it's going to be thrown out. I don't think the justices are going to back down. I think they're outraged. I think that it solidified their position, and I think it's going to be overturned, which means it will go back to the states. And now the states, we are seeing a point uh, where the states are now becoming more important in our political system. It's not just Roe versus Wade. It is certainly Roe versus Wade. Because the states are now going to decide, and you will have states where it's illegal, and you'll have states where it's a sacrament, which is like New York and, and uh, California. Uh, and But this is not the only sign. The, the battle now uh, between Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and Disney is another battle along similar lines. And we're talking about uh, either we resurrect representative government. This is similar to what I just said about the rule of law. Either we represent uh, representative government or this whole thing goes down the drain and we simply have a a tyrant from Washington telling us increasingly irrational things and demanding. That's been the direction we've been heading. Yeah, right. That is that is the direction of the empire. In other words, they are, are so drunk with power that they think that they can make any type of statement, no matter how irrational, and we will all accept it willingly. Well, Roe, uh, the, the demise Roe, is proof that, that that is not going to happen. Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg 
went to her grave regretting the fact that the American people didn't accept uh, her view of reality. And they didn't. Uh, so this is a sign that there is some type of residual consciousness here, that people still know, you know that it's a human being, that it's still, uh, uh, that's, a, 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 that's a truth, and that it's uh, uh, morally reprehensible to take the life of a human being. So they've affirmed the true and the good so far uh, by rejecting Roe versus Wade, and that's a hopeful sign. Right. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, and it's often left out of the discussion, is that this, you know, if, if Roe v. Wade is actually overturned, from what I can tell, it would, as you mentioned, sort of just go back to the states and each state would get to decide how they want to regulate abortion or um, outright, you know, totally restrict it or, or, you know, what sort of steps would be implemented in regulating this um, very, frankly, I don't know how you could describe it as anything other than evil. I mean, it is basically eliminating the life of an unborn child, no matter the circumstances. That That's ultimately what it boils down to. And it was interesting how all of these, you know, left-wing governors and, and political leaders and, and members of Congress came out immediately and were and were just so outraged at, by, by this leak as if they didn't have it in their authority to implement laws in their own states to, you know, protect abortions, quote-unquote. Um, you know, Gavin Newsom was out there tweeting and, and um, the governor of New York... Kathy Hochul. I mean, you know, it, it's just crazy the hysteria involved in this when right. this isn't going right. to impact anybody in these far left liberal states at all. No, your hysteria is exactly the right word. And it, it is uh, usually a malady that affects women uh, because it comes from the it comes from the uterus. And it's an especially appropriate term here because these women have gone crazy. This is absolutely craziness. Uh, I don't know whether you saw the video of the lady, the black lady in front of uh, uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. Did yes, you see that video? I did, yes. Now, this this is a very troubled lady, okay? You can tell by the way she's acting. Well, what, why is she so troubled? Well, because she killed her own child. Well, that's serious. I mean, in many ways, that's the most that's the most heinous thing a mother can do. Uh, yeah, to, and, to and kill, I think to kill the life within you, and you you think you can do that and not experience consequences that somehow the idea of guilt is not going to intrude itself into your life and deform your life to the point where you're acting out this crazy psychodrama in front of everyone trying to expunge the guilt that you feel for having an abortion. No, this is reality. This is the reality of the situation. And you can't repress reality. It's going to come back, and we're seeing the return of the repressed now with these hysterical women who are all consumed with guilt because they killed their own children. Yeah, I have seen some outrageous videos of, you know, different demonstrations and protests. And, you know, we, we've frankly seen a return of far-left radical political terrorism as a result of this. I mean, these people are so easily mobilized with this, you know, by the media and, and by the, the, the Democrats. Um, well, one, one other topic I wanted to go back to, you, you've described Roe, Roe v. Wade as a, um, as having a completely like corrupting influence on the U S judicial system. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more? What exactly do you mean? How is it totally corrupted the judicial system? Cause I think you're definitely onto something there. Do you know uh, Do you know what Soros prosecutors are? Yes. Yeah, where George Soros you know, is like funding. You know funding. the term? Yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. George, yeah, George Soros, uh, George Soros 
uh, a, a rich uh, Hungarian Jew has gotten heavily involved in prosecute the races uh, for a prosecutor, local prosecutors. And so across the country, we have this type of, uh, of money now putting people in office who will not prosecute certain crimes. These are like anti-prosecutors. Uh, Larry Krasner uh, of Philadelphia, an example of what I'm talking about. I just had a conversation. I come from Philadelphia. just had a conversation with a man from Philadelphia. His wife was mugged in the most exclusive neighborhood in Philadelphia. I'm talking about Chestnut Hill, if you know what I'm talking about. And so she calls the cops, and the cops come and tell her, look, if you're white and the attacker is black, Krasner is not going to prosecute. Now, this, this is the legacy of Roe versus Wade. You got a certain group that is privileged. You have a certain group that are clearly victims of assault, and they have no recourse before the law. That is the logical, inexorable outcome of Roe versus Wade, this two-tier system, where if you're a privileged person, you can say any type of crazy stuff uh, on the Internet. You can engage in criminal activity, uh, and nothing will happen to you. On the other hand, if you're an upstanding citizen who believes in the right to assemble and the right to free speech, you will be termed a terrorist if you happen to show up at the Capitol on January 6th. This is the world that is the result of Roe versus Wade. Right. Okay, so you're saying that Roe versus Wade sort of um, was the beginning process of this. It really is a form of like anarcho-tyranny. Um, and it's racially based, it appears. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of this is, uh, well, the example you just gave where the, the prosecutor is not going to even pursue charges if it's a black man committing a crime against no, a white person. No, And first of all, I have to say, OK, this is racially. Obviously, we're talking about critical race theory. We're talking about this thing. But ultimately, we're not talking about race here. I, I, I think that race is a weapon that gets used. Uh, for political outcomes. It's an idea that gets weaponized. But my feeling is that the fundamental dialectic of American politics is ethnic and not racial. And by that, I mean the theory called the triple melting pot, which is basically after three generations in this country, you become a Protestant, a Catholic, or a Jew. That is your ethnic identity. And those three groups have been at war for as long as those three groups have been here, which is to say since the late 19th century. Okay, that before that, the Jews were a completely insignificant part, but after that big migration, that's what we're talking about here. And that is also the hidden grammar of Roe versus Wade. We cannot understand Larry Krasner or Ruth Bader Ginsburg or George Soros unless we bring it back to the triple melting pot, Pro conflict between Protestant, Catholic, and Jew. And in terms of Roe versus Wade, it was Jews and the mainstream Protestant or uh, churches uh, uniting against the Catholics. That's, what's, that's, that's what happened that's, here. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Can you kind of elaborate on that? So the Catholics were really the, the main group putting up a resistance to right. abortion and sexual, and sexual liberation, Absolutely. contraception. Yeah. Yeah. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? That's, that's yeah. something well, I didn't, I didn't have written down, but no, that's a, that's a good topic to bring but up. For, well, first of all, this is the new wrinkle here. There is something new that happened here as of uh, last week, something new that didn't happen for the past 50 years. And that is the Jewish involvement in the protest. Okay, so 
you had the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, the, the main, uh, the, the, the Cheka of American politics, the, uh, the mafia, the Jewish mafia that will destroy your reputation. Uh, they came out and said, reproductive rights are a, fund, uh, are a fundamental Jewish value. And I tweeted immediately, I said, for once, E. Michael Jones agrees with the ADL. This is exactly what we're talking about here. This was the hidden hammer of Roe versus Wade that no one was talking about until the Jews brought it up. This is what was motivating Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And so I tweeted, abortion is a Jewish sacrament. And of course, there's outrage when you say something like that. But then I, I pretty much stuck by my guns. That's exactly what's going on here. So these people, the people, what I'm talking about, the, the, the hysterical women who are obsessed with their sins, uh, exploded. And this is one of the things that came out of it. Abortion is a Jewish value. It's a fundamental Jewish value. This is a rabbi from St. Louis, the rabbi, the uh, synagogue that was involved in all of the Black Lives Matter. It was an asylum for, uh, for Black Lives Matter thugs who were burning down the town. Um, rabbi Susan, Susan Talvez is the main rabbi there. This guy is his, her assistant. I think his name is Bogart. Anyway, but he wrote an article in the uh, San Francisco Chronicle said exactly that. If you overturn Roe versus Wade, you will prevent Jews from practicing their religion. Now, this yeah, is yeah. this is unbelievable. So what you're saying, first of all, is that, yes, abortion is a part of the Jewish religion. And then secondly, this is I don't think they're, they're, they're checkers players. They don't play chess here. Uh, what you're saying here is that Roe versus Wade was basically the Jews imposing their religion on the entire country in 1973. Is there right, any other exactly. conclusion? There, there is yeah. no other conclusion that you can draw here. You know, and it, it's been amazing watching Twitter and social media and, and even, you know, I follow uh, exclusively Jewish publications like the Jewish Telegraph Agency, for example, or the Jewish Daily Forward. And even before this, even before this leaked draft opinion, you could follow these publications and hear how Jews write and talk about abortion as being a Jewish value, as basically coming from the minds of the organized Jewish community. It's been promoted and normalized by Jews, you know, as you as you sort of explained, and, and we've seen this on blatant display in recent weeks. And in fact, I, I actually have an article pulled up here in the Jewish Telegraph Agency published earlier this week. There was a big rally. There have been a number of rallies all throughout the country, but there was one, uh, I think it was just on Tuesday of this week, um, a, a big rally organized by the Jewish community. More than 1,000 Jews rally outside the U.S. Capitol in support of abortion rights. They're holding signs that literally say abortion access is a Jewish value. Right. Um, let me. There's actually a couple, a couple good quotes here. Uh, here's one, one lady, uh, Laura Wheel, who's a, a Jewish lady that attended. Fighting for women's rights has been a part of my Jewish activism my whole life. I came to guarantee rights for my one-year-old granddaughter and for her mother, my daughter, to be able to decide if and when she'll continue to grow her family. It's amazing the way they frame it. It's very, very twisted and evil. Yeah, um, it is. You know, it, it really is the way they discuss this. And you've seen some of the vitriolic um, hatred on display on social media by these people. 
Um, and, and, you know, we've seen it actually carried out into the real world with attacks on abortion or, uh, sorry, um, like pre- pregnancy resource clinics right. and that's, churches. Yeah. Churches. And we'll, we'll get into right. that in a few minutes, but yeah. So anyways, it, it's pretty clear that this whole abortion issue is, uh, fundamentally Jewish and they make no bones about it. They will openly state that. In fact, I think most public opinion polls show that Jews are pretty much the only group in America that overwhelmingly supports abortion. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but I think it's over 80%. Yeah, I was going to say. 83%. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, so I tweeted this, and then uh, a Jew comes on uh, and says, this is outrageous. How can you say this? This is not true. Uh, And I said, well, what about Rabbi, you know, this this rabbi? He's not not a real Jew. Well, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Who are you? Who are, uh, are you the Jewish Pope? You you get to excommunicate other Jews? You know, this is the type of, uh, of discussion we're having here, uh, where he's trying to say, no, no, it's I, I know pro-life Jews. Well, of course, they're pro-life Jews. So what? It's the ex- I said it's the exception that proves the rule. And then he brings up Catholics for free choice. Uh, a, a pro-abortion organization that calls itself Catholic uh, simply because they want funding to undermine the church's teaching. And I said, this is the same thing here. The ex- it's the exception that proves the rule. And so what we're saying here is that uh, uh, what, I'm, what I think is going to happen here is that the battle is now going to go to the state legislatures. And I think they're going to carry the same banner into the state legislators. And this is uh, basic. I hope I don't spill the beans here. I hope they do this. OK, but uh, if they carry that banner into the state legislatures, the response is going to be obvious. Well, why are you imposing your Jewish religion on the rest of us? Who gave you the right to do this? Didn't we have 50 years of bad experience with you doing that uh, through the Supreme Court? And now you want us to continue to impose Jewish values on the entire Christian population of this country, that's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. Yeah, right. No, exactly. That's that's a good point. We'll definitely see how it how it sort of plays out. It's going to be interesting to see who's going to stand up and uh, <laughs> you know stand up to these people because they're basically, as I mentioned, sort of using political terrorism to enforce their will upon the entire country. And I think this leak is one example of that. Right. Um, and I th- and I think, first of all, why are they doing this? How, can they, how do they get away with it? Because they have Jewish privilege. And how did they get Jewish privilege? It was because of Roe versus Wade. So it all goes back to this disruption of the political process and basically the disruption of the uh, rule of law in this country, which has to be rectified. We have to rectify this. This is our last chance to do this. Right. This article that I mentioned from the Jewish Telegraph Agency, they actually, they actually quote a lady named Sheila Katz, who's the CEO of the National Council of Jewish Women. And she was like the main organizer of this rally earlier this week. And, you know, the, she explicitly describes um, Roe versus Wade as a deeply Jewish issue. And it's also a religious freedom issue. So, I mean, again, these people will openly admit this. And then if you point it out, you know, you're some sort of like anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist. Right. It's, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. That's that's very typical with these people. 
That's right. It is a religious freedom issue. That's ex I agree with Miss Katz. It is a religious freedom issue, and the Jews are trying to impose their religion on uh, the Christians of this country, and they have no right to do this. And the fact that they think they have a right to do it all traces back to the victory they had when they got the Supreme Court to pass Roe versus Wade. Right. Interesting. Well, um, th this lady went on to say that uh, Judaism permits abortion and requires it when the life of a pregnant person is at risk. And this is an argument um, I commonly hear, even just from, you know, average, like normal people I interact with, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, they, they argue that abortion is necessary um, in, in special extreme situations, um, whether it's medically necessary or, you know, it could be justified as a result of a woman getting pregnant uh, through rape or incest or, you know, there's a, a, a severe danger to the mother's life in order to, you know, carry on with the pregnancy. But it seems to me that these situations are very, very rare um, and most people are getting abortions. And I think there's all sorts of, of statistics to back this up that the vast majority of women getting abortions are doing so for convenience purposes, not yeah. for any sort of medical. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Do, do, do you want to comment on that? Because yeah, that's well, that, that's well, what you hear from this, everybody. Yeah. This is this is old news. This is old news, uh, and it's been we've been hearing these arguments for over fifty years now, and they're all they they're all bogus arguments, uh, largely because sciences, uh, medical science, has reached the point where the the threat to a woman's life is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, uh, and this is part of what they don't want to recognize. Okay, the, the whole viability thing, uh, which is the basis, those three trimesters that Harry Blackman uh, invented uh, to justify abortion were based on science as it existed back then. And the viability is not something that stays constant here. So you're in a situation. Another irony of the situation here is that, you know, you walk through these neighborhoods and you'll see these signs on the yard. Maybe you've seen them uh, where it says uh, in this house, we believe it. Black Lives Matter, and then you go down a few, and it's science is real. Well, if there's, right, one, yes, group, I've seen if there's one group that has denied the reality of science for over 50 years now, it's feminist uh, uh, in support of abortion. I, I was years ago, I, I, the Eleanor Schmiel, who was the head of the National uh, Organization of Women, came to Notre Dame, and I went over to cover her talk. And after the talk, I said, I said, had a question. Does the fetus uh, have sex? In other words, is the fetus either male or female? So she looked at me and she said, the sexual differentiation process begins at birth. So I took the pick up my pen and I start to write this down. And she says, don't write that down. You got me crazy. <laughs> don't, don't write don't it down. Write don't write that down. Don't write what I just said down. You got me crazy. Well, wait a minute. That's well, there, there's the hysteria on display for you. That's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. This is hysteria. And the only reason she get away with it is because she had privilege. She had feminist. I don't know whether she's Jewish or not. OK, but she certainly had feminist privilege because feminism was always a Jewish operation from from the beginning. And she could simply make a claim like that and Everybody would take us. This is preposterous. How did that go? How did it go that long? How did you have one preposterous claim after another that could exist that long? I mean, we could have a whole program talking about that. Right. 
Well, that's interesting that you bring up, uh, you know, feminism and, you know, like sexual liberation, the, the introduction of contraceptions and the normalization of, of pornography to a point now where it's literally everywhere and, you know, little kids are being exposed to it on a daily basis. It's really, really evil. Um, how does, how does this, how do these sort of movements tie into this abortion debate? Um, you know, I've, I've sort of seen all of these as basically like ex explicitly Jewish strategies to undermine and target traditional American society. Right. Can you kind of can you kind of comment on? Yeah, you're on you're all right. This? Yeah. In other words, if you're going to answer that question, we have to go back to the ethnic framework of the United States of America: Protestant, Catholic, Jew. Who was promoting these things? Well, it was the Jews. And if you say that, uh, you're an anti-Semite. So I can say the Jews are behind gay marriage. And I'll immediately be called an anti-Semite. But wait a minute. Amy Dean, the Jewish feminist, she said that in Tikkun magazine. So how can I be an anti-Semite and she isn't when we're both saying the same thing? Okay, the same thing is true of pornography. Everybody knows the Jews were behind pornography. I did an article years ago. It's the basis uh, of my book, uh, Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control. I say the Jews are behind pornography. I list all of the people who back me up, Al Goldstein, you name it. And I'm called an anti-Semite. So there's a Professor Abrams. He takes everything I've written, basically uh, uh, gives me a couple nods in the footnotes, says exactly what I said. But the only difference is, yeah, it's a good thing now. Yeah, we Jews should be proud that we promote pornography. This is the type of reality check that we have to have across the board now, because that opened up the discussion. That's the crucial thing about this new wrinkle in the abortion decision. The Jews have entered it and they're saying this is a fundamental Jewish value. And they're trying to exercise Jewish privilege to shut down the discussion. And I think it's going to have the exact opposite effect. Because now we're going to think, oh, wait a minute, if the Jews are behind abortion, are they behind pornography? Well, yeah, they are. They're behind sexual liberation. Well, why are they behind this? Well, have you read Wilhelm Reich, The Mass Psychology right. of Fascism? All yes. this stuff is dealt with in my book, uh, Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control, which I wrote before I was even talking about Jews. And then I connect the dots later in my book, The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, both of them are available at culturewars.com, uh, where they basically there's a whole chapter there on Bernard Nathanson and how the Jews uh, brought about the legalization of abortion in New York City, which preceded the national decision by about uh, two, two or no, maybe more than that, 67, uh, by about six years. Wow, that's interesting. So they were, gosh, it's it, it's crazy. There's that there's that meme every single time when and literally you look into any of these movements. And it's it's Jews behind it every single time, and they if you read what they what they say and what they write in their own publications, in many cases they're admitting it and boasting about it and talking about it as a way to advance Jewish interests, as a way to I mean Al Goldstein for example the the notorious pornographer, he has quotes where he's openly saying that pornography is promoted on American society to corrupt it. Uh, you know, his famous quote, we hate, we hate Christ, I think is what he said. Right. And, you know, this is, so Jews, this is, Jews this involved, is what motivates them. Yeah. Right. Jews are involved in pornography because Christ sucks. Right. That's there you one go. Of his, that's that's one of his quote. Great quote, Al. I'm glad you made it. But why am I being called an anti-Semite for quoting Al Goldstein?
Why? That's like the yeah. classic instance of the pun, punish the messenger who brings the bad news. Let's talk about the bad news. Let's not talk about the messenger anymore. Let's talk about the bad news. Well, you know, this tactic is an extreme form of gaslighting. I've, I've come, to view, come to view it as. I mean, the organized Jewish community groups like the ADL, um, who have so much power and influence over discourse in society, you see how influential they are in the media, um, at, at these various think tanks and in university settings. They basically control the discourse, and they will openly call you a crazy conspiracy theorist an anti-Semite, an, an irrational um, bigot who like just hates Jews um, for pointing out basic facts that they themselves will admit to. And right. I mean, th this is perfectly on display with this whole debate about the Great Replacement, which is very clearly and vividly happening and is even celebrated and, and boasted about by, you know, elite politicians and comedians yeah. and actors. And yet again, you're, you're gaslit into believing that this is some dangerous, crazy, hateful conspiracy theory. It, it's, it's an extreme form of psychological manipulation and abuse on – It's like it's psychological on, on warfare. A, yeah, on it's a societal scale. That's, That's exactly right. what it is, yeah. That's exactly what it is, and it's time that we call them on it and say we're not going to take it anymore because we are, reached in a, we are in a serious crisis right now, and you can't understand this crisis uh, unless you are capable of saying the word Jew. It's un impossible to understand. So what do I mean by that? Well, what about the Ukraine? There's a war in the Ukraine. Well, what's that got to do with it? Well, it's the same group of people who are basically in charge in the Ukraine. Zelensky is obviously a Jew. Victoria Nuland, uh, Kolomoisky, who was the big money man behind uh, uh, Zelensky. This is the United States being steered once again into a war like a replay of uh, the Iraq war. By the way, just as an aside, have you seen the clip of George Bush yet? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually just wrote an, I wrote an <laughs> article about it this morning, yeah. <laughs> Classic Freudian slip, okay, where he says, and uh, we're talking about uh, uh, and, uh, 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 a country who invaded uh, uh, Iraq. I, I mean, uh, Ukraine. Yes. Uh, well, What's interesting is if you if you listen to the clip closely after he ma you know he makes this gaffe where he, he replaces instead of saying Ukraine he says Iraq he goes on to say well and, and Iraq too as if you know sort of implying that Iraq the uh, the invasion of Iraq was also a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion which it obviously was well, it was, it, was yeah. it was based on fake intelligence and lies and deceptions and hysteria generated by the media. Um, and, and it was done as a result of pretty much the neocons that totally ran his administration. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Where is Paul Wolfowitz now? I mean, he one of the architects of this whole operation. By the way, by the way, right after the conquest of Iraq, Paul Wolfowitz shows up uh, and is, is staying in a hotel in Baghdad. Uh, gets, uh, someone fires a missile at his room, misses his room, but he comes running out in his underwear. A great moment in American diplomatic history. But what was what was what was Paul Wolfowitz doing in Iraq at this minute at this time? He was giving money to feminists. He was wow. trying to create groups of Iraqi feminists. Now, if there's ever proof that feminism is uh, what gets imposed on your country when the United States conquers it, that this is a regime for conquered people, that was proof of it. 
That's right. exactly. Well, it's, it's feminism. It's gay marriage. It's the promotion Absolutely. of homosexuality. Now it's transgenderism. Have you seen any of the clips coming out or, or watched any of the coverage of? I think it's a lady from Planned Parenthood that was just being um, you know, sort of interrogated by by a congressional committee the other day. Where I did the, see that. The, the, yeah, these, I did see these that. women are these women are the, oh, there's it's it's almost like I I can't even comment on it. It's just they're so delusional. Well, wait a you minute. Know, no, no, delusional is now a job requirement. Right. Yeah, that, that's what it you seems can, like. You anyways. can't you can't get appointed to a position in the federal government unless you're delusional, unless you don't know what a woman is. You can't define a woman. You yeah, have to be exactly. delusional. You have to be have a sit be in the situation where when this fat Jew walks into the room wearing a dress, you're supposed to think that this guy's a woman. Yep. And not exactly. only that, he's been appointed to oversee the health of the United States of America. This is delusional. This is uh, – it's an embarrassment. It's a total joke. I mean how is, uh, how is anybody taking this seriously? But you're right. I mean in order to even advance in the U.S. government, it almost, is, it almost seems like you have to be on board with this very radical, extreme Jewish agenda. That's right. Well, there are more Jews in uh, – they have enough Jews in the Biden cabinet to be – uh, have a minion, so they don't have right. to go. So, but uh, let's again back to Ukraine. If you send Mr. Blinken over there as the Secretary of State to negotiate, whose interest is he representing? Does he represent the interest of the people of the United States? Exactly. Does he represent the interests of the people of the Ukraine? No, you've got basically two Jews, Blinken and Zelensky, using their own respective populations as human shields to advance what is basically a Jewish agenda based on ancestral hatred of Russia because of some story your grandfather told you about pogroms uh, in Kiev or someplace. That's right, yeah. I actually spoke with uh, Phil Giraldi last week, and we were discussing the... Like the, 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 the war hawks that basically run the deep state, no matter who's in charge, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, it's the same people, the neocons Man. and the liberal interventionists um, pursuing the same policies, advancing the same interests. All of it is tied into advancing you know Israeli interests in the Middle East and also global Jewish interests. I mean, the organized Jewish community essentially controls the U.S. government and is using – the United States military and treasury to advance its own unique interests. That's right. And and, That's right. and and I view Russia and China as sort of standing up to this and, and saying, look, we want nothing to do with this America-led right. world order going forward. That's and right. these neocons and liberal interventionists view this as a as a huge threat to their world order. Yeah. And their you know, their power and influence. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was in Mashhad with Phil in, in Iran. We were both at the same conference. Uh, and I said that uh, to the Iranians, I said, there are three reasons why you don't have a nuclear agreement. Sheldon Adelson, Paul Singer and Bernard Marcus. I said, these are three, three Jews determine Americans, three rich Jews determine American foreign policy. And if we can't say that here, I said in Mashhad, then we, we should just pack up and go home. I said, we have to break the Jew taboo. In other right. words, we have because the, the Iranians were just as bad in many ways. They would never say the word Jew. They always say Israeli. Well, wait a minute. These guys aren't Israelis. They're American Jews. And they are responsible for our they are in charge of our foreign policy under Donald Trump. 
So anyway, I, I said Phil was there, and he came up to me afterwards and thanked me for saying that. So God bless him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's great. He's a he's a regular contributor to American Free Press and writes for the the Uns Review. He's good. He's a very very knowledgeable um, and insightful political and uh, you know for, foreign affairs foreign policy commentator. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I completely agree with you. Well, and I mean that's that's sort of to me that that's the that's the test for free speech. I mean, can you talk about Jews? Can you question Jewish narratives of history, right. um, especially relating to World War II? Can you talk about Jewish power and influence? And the That's answer right. is basically no on any social media platform, which is essentially the modern, you know, public space. Right. Um, it, it's it, very difficult to talk about it, you know, in public anywhere. Uh, it, it's certainly difficult to talk about. Um, openly on the internet using your real name if you want to maintain any sort of right. any sort right. of employment. I mean, you know, right. so that's why I don't use my real name. My real name is Thor Thundershanks. Uh, that's just a joke. Okay. Yeah, but I, you're you're absolutely right, and this is why I wrote the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit because this was right that the 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 reason was the Iraq War. That's when I got started doing this. There's a group of people have just taken over our country, and they were involving America in a war that only benefits the state of Israel. It doesn't benefit us at all. Americans are dying for the state of Israel. Well, now we have the same thing with the Ukraine. Uh, I wrote right. an article in the Uns. It was published in the Uns Review, and the title was, uh, Are the White Boys Willing to Die for the Gay Disco? Because the Ukraine are recruited, the, the Nazis and the Azov Brigade are uh, asking for volunteers. Are, are you willing to die for the gay disco? Are, are, are we? Are is America invested? Now, why did I say this? I said it because I was in Berlin uh, years ago uh, uh, and went to the American embassy, and there was the Berlin Bear. And the Berlin bear has – it's in the lobby of the American embassy. He's got a rainbow flag over his shoulder. And then there's a description beside him. And why is the bear wearing the rainbow flag? It's in commemoration of the people who died at the disco – the gay disco in Orlando. Now, this is the official representation of the United States of America in Germany, and they are officially siding with the gay disco. That's why I call it the gay disco. This is this is America. The American empire has come down to imposing the gay disco sanctions, the whole thing on the entire world. And for some strange reason, the world isn't going along with this. I don't know why. Right. Well, at least certain countries aren't going along with it. Sadly, m much of Western Europe and, and Japan even and, 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 you know, other countries are basically under the under the thumb of the American yes. regime. Yeah, right. The classic one being Germany. Which right, is where right. I was, and I know that situation because I I lived in Germany for a couple of years, uh, and taught school there. So I'm familiar with that situation, and have long articles basically talking about the, where this uh, the Holocaust narrative came from, uh, the history of that, and the effect that it had on, on Germany, the imposition on Germany, the crippling right. yeah. the crippling effect of social engineering on Germany to the point where now you got a zombie like Olaf Scholz who is in the middle of committing suicide by shutting down Russian energy in firm to what, to what end to support the gay disco. This is absolutely isn't crazy. It, isn't it amazing how all of these policies have totally backfired on the West? Um, you know, the sanctions against, against Russia, um, 
all of these policies have, have resulted in the exact opposite of what they were intended to accomplish. At least, you know, that, that's that's the way it appears. Uh, there was a meeting. I was just reading an article. There was a meeting. Um, I, I, I think it, w- it would have been in like late February, early March um, at the White House. Jake Sullivan, uh, President Biden's national security advisor, was involved. And they were basically saying that their strategy was to sanction Russia, to seize their foreign, you know, foreign assets and to tank their economy, to create hyperinflation, to ruin the ruble, um, and ultimately, you know, sort of a, to, to, de- to destabilize Russia and to bring down Putin. And the exact opposite has happened. We've only they're, destabilized they're, they're, our economy, strengthened the ruble, absolutely. strengthened Putin's political position in Russia. I think he has over 80% approval, you know, amongst right. the Russians. And if you look at, you know, I, I'm not an expert in Russian history or, or even Putin himself, but... I'll, I'll watch his speeches, you know, see his press releases, see the way he handles the media, his talking points. And it's not even comparable comparing a guy like Putin and some of the top um, political advisors around him, the foreign minister Lavrov. These guys are very impressive. They're very smart. They're very respectable. They're very dignified. And, and they're being you can you can tell just the way they conduct and carry themselves that they're 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 being honest. They're they're tr- seeking to advance the interests of the Russian people and the Russian nation. And they have been operating like this since the fall of the Soviet Union and the West, America in particular, has been trying to sabotage this and, and is not Absolutely. treating them with respect. No. And that's what this all boils down to. They're finally at a point where they will not put up with this any longer. And no. thank, thank God somebody's standing up to the global, global homo empire. No, one year uh, in tw- the... Uh, Russian income from energy, gas and oil, is now greater than it was one year ago. They're making amazing. After, yeah. after all of these sanctions, the Russians switched to payments in rubles, and it's it's they're making more money now than before the sanctions. Now, conversely, what's happening in America? Well, since the price of energy is going up, we have inflation in America. Now, wait a minute. This is not working out. Does anybody recognize this in Washington? Does anybody understand you're bringing about the exact opposite of what you intended? Well, Hegel would have. Hegel had a term for this. He called it the cunning of reason. Die List der Vernunft. This is how God works in human history. He allows wicked people to pursue their wicked uh, intentions and he takes it and brings about the exact opposite of what they intended. That's what we're seeing uh, that's, before yeah. our eyes. That's yeah, that's definitely the case when it comes to the the situation in Ukraine and the American response. Um, I want to go back and, and return to one final topic uh, to kind of wrap up um, regarding the 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 abortion debate and, and what's happened since this um, draft you know has been leaked. And, and that is, as I've sort of alluded to earlier, the return of political violence by the far left um, in the wake of this of this SCOTUS leak. And there have been multiple examples of vandalism and outright terrorism committed against churches and, and pregnancy resource centers across the country. Um, and, and, you know, th- there have been actual um, confrontations at churches where you mentioned the example at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan the other day. And this has happened all across the country. I saw a video of a Catholic church in Los Angeles where a lot of these, uh, you know, radical abortionist feminists came in and were attempting to disrupt the service and sort of impose 
their radical political ideology on the on the church. It's incredible. So we've seen this sort of return of of left wing political violence, which was on vivid display throughout 2020 and and for you know the years even before that. Um, so like on the one hand, we have Biden and the Democratic political establishment and the media. They continue to go on and on and to, and to condemn white supremacy and the violent domestic extremism that it allegedly fosters and promotes. Um, meanwhile, we, we have all of these radical leftists actually engaging in violence, openly threatening Supreme Court justices, um, you know, openly threatening violence and vandalism and terrorism against, you know, uh, churches and, and other pregnancy resource centers. So it's, it's pretty incredible. In fact, there was actually a DHS memo that was just released earlier this week. I haven't been able to actually read the memo, but it's been reported on by ABC News and by Axios. And in this memo, the the Department of Homeland Security is basically um, admitting that these threats are coming from the radical left, which is so yeah. obvious to anybody paying attention. But it's something you won't even be won't even be mentioned or discussed, you know, among America's political elite. No, so you're, what are we talking about here? We're talking about guilt. We're talking about the projection of guilt. And we're talking about the same group of people now who have had experience, 2,000 years experience. Now, why do I say that? I'm talking about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was created to expiate guilt. The Mosaic Covenant said if you offered up sacrifice at the temple, animal sacrifice, you could expiate guilt. That temple was destroyed because the Jews became revolutionaries when they turned away from Christ after they killed Christ. And that's their identity to this day. And so at that point, the temple was destroyed. And now the Jew has the question, how do I deal with guilt? Well, over 2000 years, the answer has become clear. You project it onto the victim. And that's precisely what we're seeing here now. You've got this political violence that is being projected onto to, to, the, to the world, uh, which is a projection of their guilt and the fact that they can't deal with guilt. Uh, and it's also an admission that they can't uh, they can't argue their case anymore. So right. it's it's a, it's a sign that it's the the end is near. Motus in fine velocior is what the the Latin phrase. Uh, things go quickly at the end. I think we're seeing the end of the American empire. My hope, I said this to Phil Giraldi and the people in the room. I said, my prayer is that we have a peaceful uh, end to the American empire. That's what yes, I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping that the people of the United States of America will be able to go to the polls uh, and not allow the election to be stolen and basically pry the fingers of this fanatical cabal off the steering wheel of the car here before it drives off the cliff. That's my hope. Yeah, well, we're rapidly approaching the cliff if we're not already totally off it at this point. Um, and, and, you know, given, given the history of U.S. law enforcement um, and the Justice, Justice Department, not only at the federal level, but, all, you know, across the country, um, basically allowing the radical left to operate with impunity, I don't really expect them to take this threat identified and outlined by the DHS uh, seriously, ne certainly not as seriously as it should be taken. I mean, they, they were out there I, protesting. I think, you, I think you have to yeah. distinguish between federal law enforcement and local law enforcement. 
And I think, I mean, the I've taught cops here in South Bend, and they say that their job is to protect the people of the United States. Uh, I'm sorry, the people of South Bend, Indiana. The role of the FBI is completely different. That is to basically, uh, the FBI, like the Bundesnachrichtendienst in Germany, like the Cheka in the Soviet Union, they perceive the American people as the enemy. And they are going to act uh, on that assumption because they've been, been taken over by this group of people. 1984, William Webster entered into a, a, a partnership with the ADL, the FBI and the ADL working side by side to do what? Well, to do point out anybody the ADL doesn't like and call them a white supremacist or a domestic terrorist. And you have Merrick Garland following exactly that playbook. That's exactly what's happening today. We can't allow these people to take over the government and use it as a weapon against the American people. We can't tolerate that anymore. Yes, well said. I, I totally agree with you. Well, I will be certainly working towards that in whatever way I can, and I know you have and will continue. Um, again, your website, best, play, best place to uh, find all your books and Culture, your writings, culturewars.com. Yes, very good. Okay, well, Dr. Jones, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work, and we'll have to do this again in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Th thank you, sir.